grateful to come in here at the beginning of a new year and start it out this way, being able to worship the Lord and feel His presence and to be with God's people. Amen. It is so good to see all of you. And Happy New Year to you all. And I'm looking forward to the great things the Lord is going to do in this year. And I want to, uh, I want to today stand here in the faith that we feel and proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is alive and well. He is still pouring out His Spirit. There's still healing. There's still deliverance in Him. And He is still the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Almighty God. And we worship Him today. Praise the Lord. I want to read from Romans chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. As you're turning there, of course, uh, we all know there's another little surge of COVID going on. And, uh, of course, I want all of you to stay safe, take whatever precautions um, that are uh, recommended and necessary for you. Of course, at this point, I'm not going to go into all of that again. Uh, I think everyone pretty much has their opinions formed by now. Uh, but stay safe, be safe, and uh, if you are sick, seek treatment. And if you have symptoms, please stay home. Um, unfortunately, the, the symptoms for... COVID are very similar to many other symptoms. I've had many people recently say, well, I just have allergies until they had the swab and then they had COVID. So uh, to be on the safe side, if you have any symptoms in that regard, please stay home until you know for sure that you are uh, not flu positive or COVID positive or anything else positive. We want to create a safe space. And I know there's only so much we can do, but there are things we can do. So we'll take every reasonable step and of course we stream online those of you online thank you for joining us today we have our mass required sections on the uh, sides here on either side so if you prefer to sit there we encourage you to do that I would say this though um, if you need to stay home we certainly respect that and understand that and certainly if you're sick but if you stay home then there's a double sort of responsibility you have to be very intentional about church. You have to be very intentional about your spirituality. And so for those of you that are unable to join us, I want to just encourage you to be intentional about creating a worship space there in your home. And uh, when it's church time, it's church time. Uh, turn off your phones. Stop running to the kitchen. Uh, create that space. Worship with us. Pray with us. At the end of our service, when we're all applying the word of the Lord. Join with us doing that. Uh, but be intentional to create that space in your home. Amen. Romans chapter 12. We, uh, we just sang about wanting more of the Lord and wanting the Lord to build a fire down in us. I, wanna, uh, I believe that's the, the desire of most of our hearts. We all desire that and we pray that. We long for that. And we desire to be in the presence of the Lord. But I want to be very practical today and tell us how we do that. Uh, it can't simply be a prayer request. It can't simply be a, something we wait on God to do to us. But the Bible is very specific about how we as Christians seek after God. How we move forward into His presence. And at the beginning of this year, a year that uh, I believe will, of course, be filled with things that we are unaware of at this point, including many wonderful things from God. I want us to orient our minds, our hearts, and our spirits, 
our families. I want us to position ourselves in such a way that we can receive all that God has for us. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. And this is what the word of the Lord says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I want to preach this morning uh, to our church body simply this, our mandate. Our mandate. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. We live at a critical point in history. The past two Januaries, we have hoped the worst of the pandemic was behind us, and we have also hoped that the worst of the culture wars was behind us. But 2021 was no better than 2020. And as we, we face this new Omicron variant, and unfortunately, midterm elections, the ongoing supply chain issues and inflation, international political turmoil, and a raging culture war that seemingly has no end in sight. It is imperative that we are rooted and grounded in our relationship with God. We can overcome. And indeed, we, we are more than conquerors through Christ. The gospel works no matter the context. But we have to be intentional about it. I beseech you, therefore. I beseech you. The, the word means to urge, to beg, to implore. This is not a recommendation by Paul. Paul is using his apostolic authority to plead with the Romans. He, he wants them to take action, and it is imperative that they take action. We know, we know from this language and, and what's embedded in the, in the meaning of the words, the severity of the matter at hand. Paul writing to those who live at the epicenter of the Roman Empire and all of its success and all of its, all of its delicacies and all of its sinfulness and its extremes. And Paul's writing to the church that lives in that town. It is urgent and it is not to be put off or neglected. I beseech you, therefore. The therefore is important. It's often humorously said that when you're reading Scripture and you see therefore, you should pause and see what it is there for. 
Here the therefore is important. It tells us Paul has reached a transition point in his writing. And at this point in the epistle, Paul is telling them what to do in response to what he has written for the previous 11 chapters. The therefore is the application. The therefore is, this is what you do because of the other. The therefore is the altar call. The therefore is the human obligation. The therefore is the response, the reaction. The therefore is the amen and the yes to what he has declared to be theologically true. For 11 chapters, Paul declared the theological foundation of Christianity. All humans have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of this, we cannot save ourselves. He wrote of of God's salvation and how we are justified, not because of what we do, because we can't do. We're justified by what He has done. But God demonstrates His, His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This gospel, this good news is, Paul says, the power of God unto salvation. And it is, it is a universal salvation. This gospel is not just for the Jew. This gospel is for everyone. Yes, it is true, the power of sin and the power of the flesh and the power of the law reign over humanity. He, he goes on and on of that in Romans. But there is a higher law, he says in Romans chapter 8, and that is the law of the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. And because of what God did in Jesus Christ, we... We now have hope of resurrection if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. This great salvation, this great salvation that Paul goes on and on and on about in Romans, this salvation ultimately it hangs It hangs on the chains of the love of God. And so he goes on and he says that when the world around us crumbles, we can have an assurance that the love of God never fails us. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through Him what? Who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers 
nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I, I beseech you, therefore... We get to this critical point in chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, because you are loved by God. And because God came in Jesus to save you. And because God did what you couldn't do. And because God wasn't through with you. And because God refused to give up on you. And because God desired you. And because anyone and everyone can be saved. And be, because the power of the Spirit overrides all the other powers in our life. And because God won't stop loving us. And because of all of this, you ought to do something. That's where we're at in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, because of the human condition and because of the incomprehensible sacrifice of Calvary, and because of the empty tomb and because of the boundless love of God, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is, this is religious ceremony language from the Old Testament. But since Jesus has provided Himself the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, those sacrifices are no longer required. But what is necessary is, is the presentation of our own bodies as living sacrifice to God. As John Phillips wrote, the body, the body of the believer is the vehicle through which the new life is expressed. We do not only serve God with our spirits, we serve Him with our bodies. Why our bodies? Because we're not created as some divided being where there is a spirit part of us that floats around and there is a body part that does its own thing. And there, some people think perhaps we're made of two parts or maybe of three parts. And yes, there is a material part of us that we can touch and feel. And yes, there is a spiritual component that allows us to have relationship with God. But God created us a holistic being. And when He went to Calvary, He paid the price for all of us. He cares about our bodies. And this is why there's a resurrection someday and guess what this mortal body will put on immortality this mortal body will put off in corruption why because our bodies matter because our bodies carry out the intents of our heart and the plans made in our minds our hands touch what our minds have willed our mouths say what our minds have thought our feet go where our minds have planned. Our minds themselves as part of our bodies dwell on the lust of the flesh or the high praises of God. And this is why Paul told the Corinthians, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies 
a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It should be noted that God does not coerce us to sacrifice. It should be noted that our response to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to the indwelling power of the Spirit is both voluntary and ongoing. We choose each and every day whether to surrender to God or whether not to surrender to God. It is the volition of the believer whether to present our bodies, our lives as living sacrifices to God or to withhold those sacrifices from Him. Sacrifices are surrendered. Sacrifices are yielded. Sacrifices are given away. Sacrifices yield themselves literally into whatever service has been ordained to them. The implication is simply this. It is not your body. It's His body. It is, it is not your talent. It's His talent. It's not your time. It's His time. It's not your life. It's His life. It's not your ministry. It's His ministry. It's not your relationships. It's His relationships. It's not your dream. It's not your house. It's not your car. It's not your business. It's not your money. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice. We are to present our bodies and therefore our lives a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Holy. We often think of in terms of, of morality and ethics when we think of holiness, and there is that part. It's very true. But, but the word holy at its root meaning means set apart, dedicated to something. In fact, some of the offerings that were offered to the pagans in the first century or by the pagans in the first century, to their idols, were considered holy. It wasn't because of the moral qualities or the ethical component involved in that idolatrous worship. The word holy meant it was set apart. In other words, this thing was dedicated to that thing. That made it holy. And Paul says we are to offer our lives a living sacrifice, holy in other words, we are dedicated to God. We are consecrated to Him. We live to serve His purpose in our lives. It has to do with our identity. It has to do with our function. It has to do with ownership. It has to do with what we are and what we, what we do with who we are and everything that we have. The big question is really simple. Is the life we live in our bodies holy? Set apart to God. Is the life we live in our bodies acceptable to God? We often get lost in the big picture. We often get lost in the idea of having revival. Or having a, a move of God. But I want to submit to you today that the key to worldwide revival begins with personal renewal. A congregation that doesn't have individuals who are renewed will not have revival. The effectiveness of the congreg local congregation is in the, is in the sacrifice of the individuals who go to the congregation. And the effectiveness 
of a nation of, organ, of, 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 of congregations is that these congregations then join together. And so when your faith joins your faith, joins your faith, joins my faith, something begins to happen here in Austin. And then this church joins with another church where they're doing the same thing. But when you trace it all back, it's not because we have willed revival or have wanted a move of the Spirit or have sang enough about it or have, quote, invited Him in. It all begins when we have offered ourselves a living sacrifice one person at a time. A living sacrifice. Doing big things starts with doing little things. This service, the first service of the year, is often a vision cast for churches, and maybe it should have been for ours. But big grand visions don't start with big grand visions. Big grand visions start in the hearts of individuals. And if the hearts of individuals are lived as sacrificially to God as He is proclaiming that we should be, then the reality is vision emerges from the group. What God wants to do emerges from the congregation. You don't need me telling you what we're going to do 10 months from now or a year from now. But when we are offering our bodies living sacrifices to God, God starts speaking here and here and here, and it starts to emerge from within us. And what you are feeling is what you are feeling, and I am feeling why. Because we have offered sacrifices to God. Living sacrifices that have become acceptable to God. The ultimate, the ultimate gauge of a life well lived is whether God thinks it is a life well lived. Paul does not leave us guessing. Paul elaborates in the, in the next verse, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to the world. <clears throat> Passages like this trouble me deeply. John said something similar when he said, We are not to love the world, nor the things. Nor the things. Nor the things in the world. And this is what troubles me. If we are not conformed to the world, and if we don't love the world, what would it look like if we did? If we do not love the things in the world, and we are not conformed to the world, then we have a path for the will of God to be done in our lives. Various writers have tried to help us understand the nature of this word conformed. This word conformed, one writer said, refers to the act of an individual assuming an outward expression that does not come from within him, nor is it represented in his inner heart life. In other words, it's something that you soak up like a sponge. It's a conformity that comes from external sources. Another writer said this. The way he translated this sentence of Paul's is, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. 
To be conformed to the world is to have your identity shaped by what is outside you and specifically by the world. And so he's saying, don't be conformed to the world. In other words, don't let the context in which you live, this exterior, don't let this exterior press in on you and shape you. Don't let the exterior world that we live in conform you. Don't let, it, don't let it determine your values. Don't let it determine your thinking. Don't let it determine what you do and what you don't do. It's not an exterior thing that you soak up like a sponge. Don't be conformed to the world. We often think of the world and we think of things that are grossly sinful and we think of things that maybe even are criminal and that's true and it's a part of it. But Paul here is talking even more specifically and deeply about philosophical issues. He's talking about worldview issues. He's talking about godliness versus ungodliness. He's talking about looking at the world through a God lens versus no God lens. He's talking about looking at the world through a Jesus lens versus not a Jesus lens. He's talking about something bigger. You can't just reduce it to, well, I don't commit adultery and I don't rob banks and I don't cheat on... No, 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 he's saying it's bigger than that. Your core identity, you can't soak it up from everything in the world. Don't be conformed to the world. And what is this world? What is this world? The Greek word aeon refers to the age. It refers to the age in which we live. And one writer defined it this way. It's lengthy, but listen. All that floating mass of thoughts, opinions, maxims, speculations, hopes, impulses, aims, aspirations, at any time current in the world, which it may be impossible to seize and accurately define, but which constitute a real and most effective power be it moral or immoral atmosphere, which at every, listen, at every moment of our lives we inhale. And then again, inevitably, we exhale it. All this is included in the age, the world. The subtle informing spirit of the cosmos or the world of men who are living alienated and apart from God. According to Vine, another commentator, the world signifies the condition of humanity, which since the fall is in a spiritual darkness with a nature and tendencies and influences controlled by the powers of darkness in opposition to God and now under the prince of this world. And yet another writer said, the world has its fads and fashions and they change with each generation. Its mold exerts pressure on us all, not only in such relatively minor matters as dress and diet, but such far more serious areas of life as morals, ethics, standards, and religious beliefs. And then he says this, the world is the devil's lair for sinners and his lure for saints. It is human life and society with God left out. Don't absorb the world and let it shape you. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world force you into its mold. Our thoughts... Our morality, 
our sense of justice, our values, our priorities, our politics, these things cannot be pushed on a believer from the outside in. We must be extremely guarded with our thought life and with the narratives by which we live and by which we interpret the world and by which we treat one another. We are but small creatures who live in a small space and time. Philosophies come and philosophies go. And I'll even say even broader societies come and societies go. Nations rise and nations fall. Trends come and go. But forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Rather, rather than be conformed, have an having a shape pressed on us from the outside. Rather than be conformed to this world, Paul says we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Just as we willfully offer our bodies in daily sacrifice to God, so our minds must be continually renewed. We sang earlier, we want more of Him. You want more of Him. It comes through the transformation of the mind on a daily basis, of getting rid of the world and, and importing the spirit, of getting rid of the form and the pressures and, and the stuff that tries to soak in from the outside and letting the spirit renew our minds. It's not just a moment in a service. It's not just a revival series. It's not just an experience. It's an ongoing transformation. Don't be conformed from the outside, but be transformed. Be transformed. Transformed is only used four times in the Bible. Once Paul uses it to talk about the transformation as a believer as it reflects on the goodness and the nature of God and how God has worked in our lives. Once is in this passage. The other two are the two accounts in the Gospels where Jesus is on a mountain and there when he's on a mountain the Bible says his countenance was transfigured before his disciples. And the glory of God shone on him literally physically. And the Bible says there he was transformed or transfigured before them. In other words, what was on the inside of him manifested on the outside of him. What Paul is saying to the believers, you can't get lost and buried in the age. But what is in you? Believers, what is in you? The power of the gospel, the fullness of the Spirit, that needs to work itself out of you. The, the, the glories of the power and the majesty of God that, that he, has, he has put in you, as Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That power of the gospel that is in us, it should be working itself out of us. That is our identity. Our identity is not the soaking up of everything that comes across YouTube. Be transformed. In other words, let the physical, let that body that you're offering, let all of this exterior, let it be changed. How? By the power that's in you. The power of Jesus Christ works itself out. Transformation does not come with more education. Transformation does not come with more makeovers. Transformation is not an external thing. Transformation is an interior thing. Transformation comes from the inside of you. That's why you can't gather enough, you can't accumulate enough, you can't know enough, you can't do enough, you can't go enough to be transformed as a person. That's why some of the most miserable people in the world are the most wealthy and successful. Because they've been conformed, they have soaked up externally all the stuff of the world. And Paul says, don't do that. 
but be transformed. Let what is in you work itself out and manifest itself on the outside of you. Outward changes coming from the inner spirit reality inside of us. Something within us dictates what we do. Here's our mandate. Going into 2022 with no sense of what's next. <clears throat> it, it's a little disturbing actually when you think about it. We've been through a lot the last two years. We've had a lot of funerals. Political chaos is unprecedented. Nation divided. Seemingly there are forces that want us all to hate each other. We refuse that. Economies teetering and world powers seemingly threatening. None of it. None of it seems to consistently push people to God. Many times people think about the end times and the, the things in Revelation and perhaps Daniel and other parts of even the Gospels. and Talk about living for God when things get tough. Oh, really? Really? It's been pretty challenging. Probably going to get a little more so in the next month or two. Church isn't fuller. The online views aren't growing. Why? Because the way to spiritual success is through the inner transformation that God has already placed in us, working itself out. Here's the mandate, I beseech you therefore, brethren, this is our task, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, set apart for Him, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want to know what to do? You want to know what the answers are? You need direction for your life? You need wisdom for your life? This is the most succinct formula for discerning the will of God that you have in the Bible. Refuse conformance to the world and allow the Spirit of God in you to transform you and you will be able to discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have to guard our spirituality. I have a few more things and I'm done. We have to guard our spirituality going into this year. We have to guard it with a greater determination than we do our political views. Everybody has them and they're not necessarily bad. But we should know more about the Bible than we do ivermectin. We should, we should know more about the gospel 
than we do the NFL and the NBA and the NCAA and all of the rest of it. And it's not bad, but, but we should be more passionate about the Bible than we are economic theory. We, we, we should quote the Bible more than we quote political philosophers. We, we should despise. We should despise our own sinful tendencies more than we do politicians in some other state somewhere. Because what's in the mirror is our real issue. It's not what somebody's voting on. If you want to think of the eternal, and if you want to think of the, the things that matter, the biggest challenge of the human race is the mirror that we face every day. And Paul is telling the church that lives in Rome, he's telling a church that lives under an empire, he's telling a church that is soon to face persecution, and yes, even death. He's talking to a church that does not have a constitution or a bill of rights or any other sort of document like that. He's telling them what you need to do is stop soaking up from the outside and be transformed by the power of the spirit that is inside you. That is the solution. Our, um, our screen time cannot exceed our time spent in devotion. Day after 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 day. Week after week after week after week after month after month after month after year after year. And ever expect to have more of Him. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Why? Why? Why does it matter? Because we're loved by God. Because it's a gospel that's able to save. Because it's, it's able to transform us. Because the mighty operating of His Spirit brings us victory. Because we're happier when we're holier. Not in a pharisaical way, but in a literal way. Because we find meaning when we're offering ourselves to God. Because we will see Him again someday. Therefore, therefore, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. It's not a condemnation by Paul. It's not, it's not, it's not a disciplinary thing by Paul. It's an invitation. He says, I preached to you for 11 chapters and I've told you the goodness of God and I've told you of how, how miserable you were but God came and saved you anyway and I've told you that He's no respecter of person and He'll save anyone and I've told you that there's hope He's coming again and I've told you there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God and I've told you that whatever comes your way, God is for us and who can be against us? I've told you all this, now how do you maximize it? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to Him. It's your reasonable, many translations say logical. It's your logical form of worship. And don't be conformed, don't be soaking up this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want us to stand, I'm, I'm so... I'm excited in... 
not, not in a frivolous sort of way, like you get a car or, or a house, or a, but this sense of anticipation that what this is, this is an invitation. This is an invitation by God. You want more of Him? Living sacrifice. Set apart to Him. Turn off the apps and the channels and stuff and just don't conform. And just let that Spirit begin to conform you. Let that Spirit of God begin to work in you. We're going into our month of devotion. I want to challenge you all to find some daily times of prayer. You'll have to fight for it. You will. Your schedule will try to take over. Find a place. Just start with tomorrow. Find a Designate a place and a time tomorrow when you'll pray. Some weekly times of fasting. You'll have to fight for it. It won't be easy. But do it. Friday night prayers. I know everyone can't make all of them, but you can make some of them. I can't make all of them, but we can make some of them. 7.30 to 9, come and go as you can. The auditorium will be open. You can enter from the east side. This Wednesday night, I'm starting a new series of lessons on the spiritual life. I want you to be here. Our winter renewal begins January the 23rd. I wonder what God wants to do. I want to find out. I don't want to come into revival services sort of with a, well, I just dragged here from the last 48 months and or 24 months and you know, God's got to do... I want to walk in positioned. Doesn't mean I have all the answers. It doesn't mean I have all the strength that I... No, no. But I don't want to come and need to be cleaned up and worked over and renovated by the evangelist. I want to come in with the heart of faith and say, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can do something, Lord, just if you need to happen somewhere, happen right here. God, if you, if you want to do something, Lord, I'm open. Lord, if you want to use a church, this one's available. If you, if you want to pour out your spirit, this is a good place right here. Do you feel that excitement in the Lord? Amen. The world, is, the world has shown us in the last 24 months what it has to offer. The world has shown us in the last 24 months what it has to offer. And I don't like what I see. But I know he's altogether lovely. I know he is Prince of Peace. I know he walks with me through deepest, darkest valleys. I know He will not leave me or forsake me. He, he is that bread, that manna come down from heaven that, that feeds my hungry. So He's that living water. I know Him. I know Him. Hallelujah. I want us to respond today. I know there's a COVID variant going around and some people a little reluctant to come to the front and that's fine. But if you feel comfortable coming to the front, I want you to come. If you don't, I want you to linger in your seats where you are. And I want us to maybe do that today. Just I, I know I'm preaching to saints today. You're, you're faithful. You're here. But I wonder if today all of us could just again, Lord, we present ourselves, my body, a living sacrifice. I want my life to be acceptable to God. Not that I'm earning salvation. It's not about that. But I want my life to be pleasing. I want my life to be a place, a vessel. I want it to be a channel through whom God can flow. I want to be used by God. That's it. Would you reach out to Him? Would you reach out to him right now? Hallelujah. That's it. Talk to him right now. This is our mandate. 
our mandate. Some church growth goals or mandates are really meaningless if we don't get this right. Ministry programs are meaningless if we, if we don't get this right. This is our mandate, church. Present ourselves a living sacrifice to God. Come on, that's it. Lift your voices. Lift your voices to Him.